So now uh, we're gonna we're gonna transition from football. We're going into basketball. We talked. Hey, about something I actually know. This is both in in our wheelhouses. Um, fan day on Saturday. Hopefully, all the fans got out, got all their stuff signed, got their free posters and whatnot. But specifically, what you and I are are interested in talking about was the was the team scrimmage, the inter squad scrimmage. Now. It's important that people understand that scrimmage, the scrimmage is a glorified practice. You're not going to see a ton of the offense or the defense, and, and you're playing against your, each other, and you're not at your full strength. So it's not a total indicator of what you, you may see come November, but it certainly gives you an idea of maybe some where guys are at, the newcomers, what they can and can't do, and some of your, you know, who has gotten better and who hasn't. So I'm going to kind of cede the floor to you because you were there, and I'll just yeah. kind of ask some questions as sure. as we go through it. But I'm going to let you talk about what you saw. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, man. So I, I'm, I pulled the stats up. Um, let's just go okay. – let's go ahead and we'll start with, I think, the biggest surprise, Grady Eifert. You know, <laughs> he had 19 points and eight rebounds in the three scrimmages. What did you see? Uh, you know, great, Grady Eifert's a guy that understands his role and understands his system really well. Look, Grady Eifert physically is limited. And if Grady Eifert is a major contributor for you, you're not going to be very good in the Big Ten. Okay. Uh-huh. And that's not a knock on Grady Eifert, right? I think he's, he's a great team guy, but he's not, not an elite athlete. He understands his system. Here's what I tell you. I think about Grady Eifert, at least early on, you know, the non-conference slate, let's say, Purdue is going to need him to be at least serviceable and dependable because they're very young and guys don't know their roles and they don't know the system and they don't know, um, they don't know the speed of the game, et cetera, right? And so there's a, a period of time it takes to acclimate to those things. Uh-huh. And, uh, they need, they're gonna need the, the benefit of that time to, to experience that and see it and get used to it. And frankly, they're gonna need a Grady Eifert to help them understand. You know, how do you prepare week in and week out? Sure. Right? I mean, what's film study really like look like and how does it work? Cause I'm here to tell you, not a single one of them did film study in high school, man. Okay. okay. It's like no. they have no idea. Like they have no clue. Uh, Grady Eifert's role is is going to be that. And then he needs to be good enough on the floor early in the season, certainly, that he doesn't hurt you. Um, clearly, mm-hmm. the kid can shoot the ball, okay? He, he can yeah. shoot it. He can shoot it well enough that you can't gap him 10 feet and play off of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's really smart. I think he really understands what they're doing system-wise. He knows where he fits in there, and he, I think he'll help. I really do. Um if he's the in the top three on the team by Christmas, well, we're not going to be very good. <laughs> okay, right. But I, I there's mean, a role that, there's a role there for him, and I mean, credit to him, he's worked his fanny off, right, to get uh-huh. to that point. Um, I mean, don't don't deny him that. So I think there's a role, and I think it's a really important role. I don't know that he's a key by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's very important. I think his biggest contribution very well could be off the floor um, with preparation and practice and, you know, how you go about doing the job. And, and, and don't make no mistake, it's a job. 
Yeah. It's absolutely a job and there's a rhythm to it and there's a, a rhyme and a reason and a responsibility there that these young guys have uh, not yet gotten uh, gotten a hold of probably. So I as I'm I'm looking at the schedule here, let's just let's let's call it what it is. This is a team that's got six guys who have never played basketball for Purdue in a regular season game, five of which who have never played college basketball before between yep. the two redshirt freshmen and three true freshmen. And one of the one of the combination of Dawana and Williams is going to redshirt. We'll talk about that here yeah. later. But as I look at the non-conference slate, the best chance that Purdue has to to have a to be able to reach the NCAA tournament, they're going to have to get off to a good start in November. They just are, because we you just don't know come conference play where you're going to be as a development of a team. But they're going to need a guy like Grady Eifert to make sure that they don't stumble, especially like in Charleston. In Charleston, you've got you're going to have Wichita State, Davison, Appalachian State. I think Ball State's there as well. They like are. there are some there are some decent teams there. And trust me, you look at that November 10th game at home against Ball State. Ball State's got a lot of um, all Indiana All Stars and Indiana kids that were passed yeah, over by the big. So they got a guy that was coming to Purdue, right? Yeah, yeah, Taylor Persons. You're right, Taylor Persons was coming to Purdue until um, Caleb Swanigan became available. You're right, and you know, obviously that worked out real well. But I mean, Taylor Persons can play. Yeah, and if you think that if you're rolling your eyes at us mentioning Ball State as a trap game, go Ooh, ask uh, Mike. Go ask. Go ask the Fighting Irish and Mike Bray how that worked out last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Do not discount. As a former Ball State coach, obviously it's a point of pride for me. But uh, yeah, they're good. Uh, so you're, but you're going to. There, gonna are, no, there are no there are no guarantees with a team this young. No, but Eifert can can be a guy who can be a steadying presence. Like hey, you talked about off the floor, his his contributions will not necessarily be seen, but will be there. But on the floor, that's a guy who can be a steadying force. Come November fifteenth on a Thursday in Charleston, if Appalachian State's made a run, and it's in right. the first so, half, and you need him to settle guys down. So here's the thing that that people don't don't oftentimes think about, Connor. Okay, and you know I talked about it a little bit with Nebraska, right? And I even alluded to it a little bit with Ohio State. And look, I'm no oracle of Delphi, okay, by any stretch. So like I'm not all knowing, all seeing by any stretch. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole um, piece of of this for a young kid, for a new one, a freshman, right? That has little to do with what the general fan sees on the floor. Right. Right? So mm-hmm. how do you manage your week? How do you manage going to class, doing mm-hmm. your school stuff? Uh, bear in mind, you're, you're an 18, 19-year-old kid, okay? Yeah. How do you manage travel? And, and so with basketball versus, say, or contrasting to football, right? Mm-hmm. Where the number of road games is considerably more, right? Yeah. And the pressures yeah. of traveling and being away from campus and getting in some kind of a routine in your life is far harder than even for football, right? Like, how do you adapt and adjust all of that? How do you actually prepare for the game? What does it mean to actually look at the scouting report and do film study? So that's where a guy like Grady Eifert could be gold. 
in his role as a leader, right? And it's not necessarily in what that young man's going to do on the floor. It's what he's going to do off the floor for demonstrating both in his words and his actions, like what do you need to do to perform and excel at this level? Yeah. Because I, for a high school kid, they don't get that. I'm telling you, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a thing that most fans don't understand from a coaching standpoint. It's, it's critical. It's why Rayfield Davis is a legend. Uh-huh. Like Ray Davis changed the culture around a program at one point because he demonstrated to the most, you know, these guys at 130, you know, and did all this stuff with PJ and Dakota and Vince and Isaac and all those guys. Like, Ray set that template, man. Like, here's how you go about doing this thing in a way that's, that's professional. You know what yeah. I mean? He, he taught Dakota how you prepare to be a, a, an elite defender in the Big Ten. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that, to me, that's Grady's role. You know, mm-hmm. from a guy way outside. Let me be honest about that. Okay, way outside. No clue. Has no idea what's going on in, inside the locker room. But right. teams are teams. Teams are teams. And you always need that guy. And I think that's Grady's role. He's going to have to play minutes early. Because the guys that are going to be playing ahead of him at the end of the season, and they're mm-hmm. still trying to figure out how to lace up their shoes right now. Um, so they, they're not going to be comfortable enough to perform. Now, hopefully, by the end of the year, they are. Because if we're relying on Grady on the floor at the end of the year, well, it's going to be a long year. Yeah. His role is really away from the game and on off the floor. And I think it's critical. I think it's huge. So let's, let's go ahead and talk about some of those, those young guys who I think that the season, the season as a whole, the larger picture really hinges on the development and the ability to play at the division one level on for Aaron Wheeler, for Eric Hunter Jr., for Sasha Stefanovic. I think that those three guys are going to be X factors that are really going to dictate just how much success Purdue can have this year. I don't disagree with that at all. So, so all those what did you together. see? I mean, I'm looking at the stat sheet, right? So I can see that Sasha Stefanovic went 3-9 from 3. I can see, You know, I'm yeah. seeing the numbers, but you were there. You coach, you understand, like, explain, explain to the listeners and explain to me what, what you saw just beyond the stat sheet from those guys, what is promising, what's maybe a little worrisome, things that, that fans can look for come basketball season to kind of keep an eye on development wise. Stefanovic can really shoot it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he's a rhythm shooter. I tell you, the thing that he does exceptionally well, I don't know exceptionally well, but what appeared at least on a small sample size, he can shoot it coming off the screen. Yeah. And I felt like in years past, that's something that the team has, you know, tried to really find a guy and struggled with a guy that could do that as opposed to a spot up guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Dakota got really good at it, man. Yes. I mean, really good at it. Yeah. That uh, Stefanovic can shoot it off the screen. Um, I, he is physically bigger than what I thought he was. Yeah. He's like six, four or five, right? Yeah, he's got the size to to play at, the le- at that level. I don't think there's any doubt. Um, mm-hmm. He's a little better ball handler than I think people realize. Right. He's very serviceable. Uh, he will play second fiddle to Klein. Right. Um, under- understandably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tell you what, I think he might shoot it better than Klein. Really? Yeah. Because it has I been. Do. 
from from working within the within the basketball team, it has long been understood by everyone who is able to see like that sees everything that's going on right beyond game day. Yeah. That Ryan Klein was the best shooter in that locker room at all times last year, even better than Dakota. Like he's uh, no the, doubt. And, and no Coach doubt. Painter, Coach Painter's been very, very candid about he's the best shooter we've best shooter I've ever recruited. Like you know, yeah, Ryan Klein can shoot it. I'm. I, it'll be interesting to see for for Ryan um, out of necessity. Ryan's going to have to expand his game. Yeah. He's going to have to be able to do some things besides this shoot. You know, he's going to have to put it on the deck and get there and finish. He's mm-hmm. going to have to be able to uh, move the ball within the framework of the offense and create for some other guys. And so his his game's going to have to expand, and we'll see if it's there. I don't know. I, Stefanovic is going to be just fine. I think people are really going to like him. Yeah. I think, I think people are going to – He's a boiler, man. That's all. I mean, he's a traditional Purdue guy. He's, yeah, he can shoot it. Yeah. There's no doubt. He can shoot it. Three and nine, you know, is acceptable. I think he's a far better shooter than that. His form is unbelievable. It's yeah. great. So, now, now, I want to talk about the guy that I, I think physically is the most intriguing man on the roster, Aaron Wheeler. I mean, they're yeah. just, he's, he is a level of athlete that they've not had in a very, maybe since Jacob Lawson. Just as far as ability to get off the floor and do some things athletically. Yeah, he's an athlete. I think he's trying to find out where he fits right now. He, to me, he looked a little lost out there. Um, yeah. Like, you know, we'll talk about the offensive end, but I mean, there was times, um, you know, and the way they run their motion and how they do some things. Um, you know, he's at the top of the key, and he's trying to figure out, am I supposed to screen away? Am I supposed to flash to the ball? Am I supposed to cut? What am I supposed to do? Where do I fit? And I think he's I think he's still working his way through, like, where does he fit in offensively with his skill set? He can shoot it a little bit. Um, yeah. He is unbelievably athletic. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the scrimmage really it's a scrimmage right so i mean for what that's worth um right i don't think it really showed what he's capable of doing i think he's a far better player than what he demonstrated uh it's going to be midway through the big 10 season before he really before we know yeah yeah i think it's going to be we're going to be into february before you really know what Aaron Wheeler can and can't do. I think that he's the I, – honestly, I believe that he's the biggest unknown on the team right now. Because six, I, nine, he's 6'9", six, 6'10", six, right? Yeah. because 6'9", 6'10", got ball skills, can shoot it. Yes. And, and is explosive off the floor. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty interesting combination. And he has the, he has the ability to be an unbelievable presence defensively. That's all about want to. Sure, sure it is. Yeah. Now, and and this kind of goes towards a larger conversation at whole. This team def- potential. We're talking purely about potential because it's October, right? Yeah. So we don't right. we don't know either way. But this team defensively could be really really stout, given the length and the size that they're going to be able to put on the floor and the athleticism. Yeah. Yeah, they're long and they're athletic, man. They mm-hmm. can eat people up on the perimeter. They're really good. They could. 
Now, you know, I know Arms is, Arms is seven three, and but he plays like a guy that's six nine six ten. Right, and, and I know. think um, I, I'm seeing three of seven from the field. He took yeah. two. He took two threes. I know that he can. He can shoot the three. And I'm not I know that's going to yeah. surprise some of our listeners. I'm telling you right now, Matt Harms can shoot the three, and he's going to be nasty on a pick and pop. Up yes. Top. And if you put him in a pick and pop with uh, Carson, Oof. good luck. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Good luck with that, because you're not going to be able to help off him to go shut down Carson's penetration because he'll throw it right back to the pop. And Matt Harms can shoot it. Yeah. Not great. I, he, I'll tell you this. He shoots it better than Caleb Swanigan did. And Swanigan, I mean, Swanigan shot 40% his sophomore he, year. His that sophomore last year. year he did. Yeah, yeah he was not a good year. shooter he was, as a freshman. And no, not at all. Matt Harms is a better shooter than Caleb Swanigan, and Caleb Swanigan wasn't chopped liver. Right. Well, well I, I think, think that's going to surprise people because when they see 7-3, they think, you know, back a guy down and shoot a jump hook, which he can do that when he's got a mismatch, and he did it in the scrimmage. Yeah. He's better off facing and playing out. I think that we're going to see an offense a lot similar to the baby boiler era when Jawan Johnson was there, where there's a lot of high post stuff. Yeah. There'll be, like you said, some some mismatch post up play. I think that yep. Bordeaux's going to end up being the best post player of the bunch. Hit him and Nogel. I think he and Nogel will probably be the guys who spend the most amount of time on the block. So I think it'll be December or January before you really see Evan Bordeaux blossom yeah. into what he can be for this team because it was it was pretty clear to me in the scrimmage uh, he's got an adjustment that he's going to have to make mm-hmm. to the speed to the speed of the game um, and look he's a smart guy by every account like really super smart yeah so he'll, well, he, he'll he'll figure it out right he was at but, Dartmouth. I mean, he was in the Ivy League. Right, which I I wouldn't get into the Ivy League by any stretch. So, yeah, he, he'll, figure, he'll figure it out. I mean, mm-hmm. he aver- I think he averaged 19, something like that, right, last yeah. year. Yeah. But he's not going to physically overpower anybody. Um, he's not going to athletically go by anybody. Mm-hmm. It's a different game. The speed of the game is different. Okay, guys are long and lean. They can get to, from point A to point B. Way faster than what he's used to. You saw that in the beginning of the scrimmage. He struggled a little bit with some things, and then he started to figure it out pretty quick. Yeah, he's going to get really good at using his body to protect himself and to get angles and to be able to finish. And I think by conference season, um, people are going to really love this guy. He is mm-hmm. the stereotypical Purdue Boilermaker. Um, if you've not seen him. He looks like a dude that's playing noon ball at the Y. Yeah. Okay. And, yes, he does. And, and plays that way a little bit, which, you know, I love, man. I, I mean, think... like, I dig it. That's great. I love it. He is uh, a smaller version of Brian Cardinal in that that's way. A, that's Lockie, he, uh, fan well, favorite. Well, you know, he's not a Brian Cardinal uh, level player, okay? Right. Not, not even. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he is similar in that sense, mm-hmm. and he's a bit of a throwback guy. He can shoot the ball from out on the floor. Yeah. Okay. I so see, he's another. That. He's another guy that you can put in a high screen and pop, mm-hmm. you know, type of deal um, that can be dangerous. 
and because he's excuse me he's physically strong you can rim run him too right right he's gonna play at the backup five anybody watching nba will know what i mean when i say rim run you know he's a guy that you can rim run and uh you know because they're gonna send two with carson because carson takes about uh, four nanoseconds to pull the trigger right so you might run to it carson just in case and so you get the rim run going and Evan Rodeau is going to be able to finish. But I, I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to, to get ready. Because, yes. Well, it's not the Ivy League, okay? Mm-hmm. And, sure. Uh, it's a little different level. He's a smart dude. Uh, he's mature. He's got enough athleticism. He can adjust. I think he's going to be critical. I think he'll be a guy that goes down to Purdue lore as, as an all-time favorite, really. He's gritty. He's hard-nosed. He's got, <laughs> he's got that Purdue look uh, for so, whatever, whatever that is. So the one I I think people are going to love him. So the one thing I'm look just looking at his stats. The one thing that's the most uh, that gives me the most hope that he even as he's trying to figure out the speed of the game, the thing that he can do right away is rebound. I'm seeing four offensive rebounds. That's just an element that they did not have last year. They just did. Well, he's smart. He understands angles. He understands how the ball's coming off the rim. Right. Gets to the right spot. You know, there's a lot of things that go into offensive rebounding that don't have to do with athleticism and size necessarily. Yeah. You know, um, and so he gets all of that. Uh, yeah, he's he's got yeah he's he's got a huge upside. Well, I think that, it's a good pickup for Purdue, man. Oh, I absolutely agree. I think if you look at the potential starting five, so let's just say this is just me purely speculating. Let's say it's Carson Klein, uh, Bordeaux. Harms and I don't know. Throw whoever you want in there in that fifth spot. I'd throw Nogel in there. Okay, yeah, Nogel. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes, Nogel. That's... I got passion. I got passionate feelings about Nogel. Okay, well, hold them just for a couple seconds. That's I'd a group. I throw Nogel in that five. That's a group that can rebound the ball. Nogel showed oh, yeah. last year that he can rebound. Bordeaux with the stats that showed he could rebound. You get six rebounds from Klein. You know, like all those guys are comfortable rebounding the yeah, basketball. Klein, Klein's sneaky good on the boards. He has always been that way. He he's six, not he's, small. He, he's no, not a small guy. That and that's going to be. Here's the thing, right? As you look, like you look at the guys who are all going to play regular minutes. Carson's yeah. the smallest dude, but he's got a six-six wingspan. So yeah. they're. They're bigger than they were last year, and that includes losing a 7'2", 300-pound mountain in the middle. And they're, and they're a bigger team this year. Right. All right, go ahead. Talk about Nogel. I know you want to. I, if Nogel ever figures out that he – two things. One, A uh, – not A. One, he's right-handed. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Dude, dude's right-handed. I don't care what anybody says. He is right-handed. And if he figures out how to shoot the ball, at least serviceably from the arc, he could be a monster. He's mm-hmm. big. Okay. For people yes. who have not did not go to the scrimmage, he has grown. He is bigger than he was a year ago. He's a he's big. Home. He's a big guy. He's six six. He's six seven. Yeah. He's incredibly athletic. He's skilled. He handles the ball exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. He has some of the best court vision that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, I would 
absolutely play Nogel in that starting lineup. I would play him as a three. Yeah. Uh, I would figure out ways, and I think that Coach will, to post him up. Mm-hmm. Because at 6'7", uh, he he can get over the top of guys because he's explosive. He's an explosive athlete. Right. Um, teams are going to gap him. They're going to gap him 10 feet like they used to do Ray, right, back yeah. in the day, right? Yeah, like yeah. People just flat didn't guard Ray Field because he right. couldn't shoot it, right? Well, they'll mm-hmm. do that to Nogel. So what you got to do is you got to, you know, figure out ways to run him under and, and get him on the block and post him and do some stuff. And because the fact that both Verdot and Harms can shoot it, yes, you can kind of invert that deal a little bit, right? Well, that's and that. And I'm done. telling you, Nogel, Nogel could be a monster. I he could be a Tony Carr type guy. Now I think long term Nogel's the point guard. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got to learn to shoot it, man. At least decent enough that you got to honor him, and you can't gap him ten feet. Right now, um, scouting report would say don't guard that dude out on the arc. Let him shoot it. Well, and I think that, and I was getting ready to jump in, but I was waiting for you to finish talking. Yeah, this sorry. team, no, no, it's okay. You, it was all good. But this team, from a play style with Bordeaux and, and with Harms being able to stretch the floor. You're quite okay with your post presence being the six seven point guard who can also slash to the basket and you can really spread the floor and the problems with the when Tony Carr ate people up doing that, man. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Well the thing that was the issue we going back to Ray was that you had Harms and Hammonds and Swanigan on those teams too. So there were two guys usually on the floor that couldn't shoot. Right. And that's well, not you, the case now. No, you're going to be able to open the fl- open it up and and spread the floor and the attacking ability off the dribble that Carson Edwards and Nogel bring, and a little bit of what you talked about with Eric Hunter too. You said that he was pretty good getting to the rim. Their he ability, is. their ability to to have that type of penetration and get to the rim, I think, will change the offense a lot and will open up. Uh, Spot up shots for Klein, Stefanovic, Wheeler, Bordeaux, Harms. Eric Hunter can shoot the ball a little bit, and he mm-hmm. didn't really demonstrate that. And anybody that was listening probably heard Coach hollering from the sideline. Eric shoot the ball. Yeah, nerves. Okay. Yeah, he's a freshman. You know, he's trying yeah. to find his way. Hey, mm-hmm. he's physically not very big. He's no. thin, no. Um, but he can get to the rack. He can finish. He is very skilled. He is a better shooter than people, I think, probably will understand or realize. Yeah. But, you know, if I, you know, you can only play about nine guys, man. Yes. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. You only play about nine guys. Mm-hmm. And so the nine guys at the end of the year, okay? Yeah. Well, I'm saying we, you know, at the end of the year, what does it take to get in the tournament? 20, probably? Yeah, probably 2022. Okay, so let's say we get we get 20. To get in. I think the nine guys at the end of the year, Carson, Klein, Nogel, Evan, Harms, Wheeler, Sasha, Hunter, and, and the Williams kid. Okay, yeah. Okay, and so I'm saying Grady, you know, Grady's good early. Mm-hmm. Grady's needed early, but by the end of the year, you know, Grady's moved off to the pasture a little bit. Because the right. Williams kid can rebound, and he's a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, struggling a little bit, find out where he fits. Same thing with Wheeler. He's so, I think that's that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the nine you're rolling with by the end of the year. I they think, yeah. It, the way they and should. And you've seen. 
and you've seen him. Coach, coach goes to nine guys by conference play more often well, than there's not. There's only so many minutes. It's just, it's a math thing, you know? Yeah. I, I think mean, there's only some, if there's 200 minutes. I mean, that's sure. all there is. I think that the early non-conference slate will be invaluable for Eric Hunter because of the three freshmen. Hunter is the one who's probably gonna. He's gonna have to play. They're gonna need him. Yeah, like they just will. They they may yeah. be able to get away with some combination of Bordeaux, Harms, Eifert, Wheeler, Nogel, whatever, right? And, and play without and not necessarily having to play. Dalwan is probably gonna redshirt and not have to. Yeah, play. he's he's not ready. I think he will be a very good player. Mm-hmm. In about two years. Yeah. Okay, so that's a great segue into one of the bullet points we had on the on, – because we actually planned this thing out a little bit. Small <laughs> we tried ball. to. Right, yes. right, right. There's a rhyme and a reason. I mean, small ball. I mean, this team's going to be different than what Purdue fans are used to. Mm-hmm. It's a different style play, and, and it's really a style play, I think, that goes back – to coach his time when he was over in Illinois before he got to Purdue. Yeah. And they played a lot. You know, they, they wanted some six, seven, six, eight skilled guys that could mm-hmm. get some stuff done, and that's the way his team's played over there. Yes. Now, look, you get an A.J. Hammonds, you get an Isaac Haas, you get them, right? And you change yeah. your style of suit. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going back to a style play that maybe below their time frame, but certainly I think back to, you know, when coaches first getting started. Yeah, I think, and, and I think that you're, you see that. There's the one thing, uh, flexibility is going to be a term. Versatility is going to be another that I think you're going to hear when talking about this team because there are just so many guys that can play different positions. Like you look at the, we, you know, the, the, the starting five that, that we mapped out, all of those guys can play at least two positions. Even Harms could play the four. If you needed him to, if you had a traditional, well, I would tell you right now, as honest as, as I can be, which is opinions will vary on that, is I think Harms is an actual four. I think he Matt, used Matt to Harms be. Is, Matt Harms is not a five. Guy. Well, no, I think Matt that Harms is seven three, so everybody thinks he's a five. Okay, whatever. Look at his skill set. He's a but four. I think, he's I a think, Dirk, he's a Dirk Nowitzki type player. Yeah, but the way that the game has changed. The four is now the five. The game's different. I mean, we might as well bell the lane out and play European rule. That's right. where we're at. Yeah. You, you look at different deal. I, Isaac was awesome. Isaac mm-hmm. was an awesome boilermaker, right? Yes. Isaac's a, a throwback to a bygone era that exists no longer in basketball. Right. Yes. Honestly. Honestly. The game is not there anymore. Matt no. Harms is the prototypical big in the game today. And you're going to be, and he needs to be a leader for this team, which is tough for him because he's really playing his first meaningful minutes of his career. But he's yeah. got to be a leader. He really does. He's because well, I don't know. If, I don't know if Carson Edwards is that. And I think that this transitions to our final point of the night. We we have not talked about Carson. Um, there's going to be a lot asked both on and off the floor of of him because he's the most experienced guy in the, in the locker room. 
He's incredibly talented. I see he had seven assists, which is great because it yes. means that he's he's starting to distribute the ball a little bit more than he did in years past. He's gonna be he's gonna be the guy that gets him going. He really is. Yeah, he is. I, you know, if he were six five, uh, I, well, I don't know that we would have pulled him out of Texas one. Okay, no. I mean, he's six foot. He's undersized. He's a unique talent. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a lot asked of him. There's going to be times when he is just going to have to take control of the game and say, "Get out of my way." Yes. Okay, when the offense is stagnant and the young guys are clueless, um, right? There, he's going to take some ill-advised shots, which is probably going to uh, drive Coach Painter nuts, and definitely is going to drive me crazy. Yes. Yeah, um, there will be but that, but but this team's going to need him to do that, and they're going to need him to be the leader. In that sense, I don't know if he is. I I don't know what the locker room dynamic is, personality wise. You know, if he's yeah. vocal, if he's assertive. I I don't know. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. Um, speculation purely on my part. I think Matt Harms has that ability, at least outwardly. Yeah, he's certainly the emotional leader. Know. Yes. Focal point. Yeah, yeah, on the floor he is. You know, almost to the point where he's got to be careful, right? You know, there's that clip from last year with Carson telling him, like, calm down, dude. You know? Yeah. Um, that's but a you... lot to ask of a Matt Harms. You know, basically a second year of playing. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a young team. This is a very young team. This is a two to three year process. This... People need to understand that. If they win. If they win twenty and get to the tournament, that's a that's a great year for this team. Well, yeah, because outside of I think Eifert and Klein, everybody is eligible to be back next year on this roster. All of them, they could all come back. Right. Bordeaux, Bordeaux's got two more years, and we talked about it, you got six new players, and you take Bordeaux out of it, five of them are freshmen or redshirt freshmen. Yeah, it's a two it's a two to three year deal here. Yeah. So got to temper expectations a little bit. You know? I do. And I, to me, you know, for me, Connor, uh, mm-hmm. that's going to be the fun of watching this team is the development over the next two years or three years is to see how they mesh. And and I'm telling you, Coach Painter is is great at it, which will mm-hmm. lead us into our last piece, and that is the extension that he got. Yes, I think Matt Matt Painter. I've made I've made no secret about it. I will not make any secret about it. Matt Painter is one of the best in the business for mm-hmm. a multitude of reasons, and we are blessed to have him at Purdue. Yes, um, and I think it'll be fun to, to watch what he and his staff do with this very young group over the next two seasons. Yeah, you know the thing that I would tell, and I understand that there are people who have been frustrated by the lack of NCAA tournament success. But the thing that I would remind anyone out there who's listening to us who is questioning whether or not Coach Painter is the man to lead Purdue's program, um, go look up the FBI stuff that's going on. Yeah. Go, go, see, go see the names and the programs that are included in there and, and go see who is not. And, yeah, and We're going to have to worry about that with him. Yes. So... Thank you for listening to our our lengthy podcast. Um, We'll be back at it next week, hopefully, to talk about uh, a fun game in Ross-Aid. We'll both be there. 
uh, taking on the Buckeyes. So for Monday morning boilers, boiler up and hammer down.